Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to build your faith and equip you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. I encourage you to take a moment to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you won't miss the stories of any of my amazing guests. Hebrews 13, 21 is a blessing over God's people, which says, may he, God, equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that's pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. My guest, Melinda Torreson, has seen God do that for her over and over again. In fact, she had a little encounter even this week, which we'll talk about in a minute. And as president and COO of Meter Staffing, Melinda has faced many, many challenges as she has led her company through the last few years. But looking back, she sees how God equipped her and prepared her in advance for this season. She loves walking out her destiny and calling using the gifts God has given her to glorify his name. She also loves taking Jesus into the marketplace and every other area of her life. In addition to leading a thriving business in Houston, Texas, Melinda is a wife, a mother of two adult children, and she seeks to pour out her life for others so they can know Jesus too. Welcome, Melinda. Thank you, Jody. I'm so excited to be here and just being able to have conversation and yeah, just looking forward to it. So thank you for the invitation. Well, before we jump into your life story, share what happened this week to meter staffing. Oh my goodness, you, you're you in Texas, so. Of course, yeah, we're here in Texas, which, you know, of course, um, you know, um, because of your, you know, just a role with Somebody Cares, all of the hurricanes that we go through um, and being in business for 54 years, we've had our share of hurricanes and disasters. But yeah, this week was different. Um, because we had tornadoes, which, you know, of course, tornadoes are, are pretty common, but not to the extreme of what we saw this week. So, um, Tuesday afternoon, we knew that there were going to be storms coming through late morning to late afternoon, which is pretty common here. And lo and behold, um, gosh, around 2.20 to probably 3 p.m., there were just a number of tornadoes that touched down actually in the region, you know, the area of Houston where we have offices. So um, when my father had actually called me from College Station and said, Melinda, I'm watching the Weather Channel in Pasadena in Deer Park, Texas, or on the news for the first time ever uh, was called a tornado emergency yeah, I was here, of course, in our Pasadena office. Uh, believe it or not, our power did not go out, but it was very dark. Our cell phones start going off, you know, tornadoes in, are in the area. And while that was happening, our Deer Park team was texting me um, and they actually received the brunt of the storm. They were in the kitchen on the floor, um, huddled together, of course, praying and just telling each other, I can't imagine being with anybody else for such a time as this, um, but they endured a pretty significant, um, I believe they called it like an E3, like 140, 140 mile an hour winds, I think. Um, so our community was pretty devastated in a short period of time, but even sitting here, you know, this afternoon, you know, you're tired, but you just see the goodness of God, his faithfulness. And uh, just what an amazing community we have opportunity to live in and work in here in, in Pasadena and Deer Park. And just, you know, the, the greater, really it's greater Southeast Harris County is um, where we're at. So, yeah. The tornado went right down the street where your office is, but your office was spared. And uh, amazingly, no one was injured in the tornado, even though a lot of property damage and homes were, were damaged. So the tornado actually, um, what they had said was that no, believe it or not, just no, um, no major injuries, no deaths, which is just amazing. And it actually happened um while school was letting out. So the school districts fortunately had made pretty quick decisions, had sheltered in place, kept the kids after school, but a lot of parents were literally in the parent pickup line 
as all of this was happening. So that's really what makes the story even more significant of just everybody being safe and um, yeah, no lives lost in the tornadoes here. So yeah. Yeah. Mercy, mercy from the Lord. And somebody cares is actually uh, on the ground uh, responding to that tornado. So if any of you are listening and would like to uh, give towards somebody cares disaster relief, you can go to our website, somebodycares.org. Uh, but leading a business through crisis is something that Melinda has a lot of experience at, and we're going to hear how God prepared her for that. So Melinda, you grew up in a Christian home and you really knew Jesus, knew of Jesus all your life. Can you remember when you actually made the personal decision to follow him? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I always um, used to feel very intimidated when people would ask the question, hey, do you remember the date that you got saved and what was your experience? And you know, so many people have incredible encounters, you know, with the Lord and just, you know, their salvation and they remember the date, the time, the place. And so for me personally, that was always a question. I would just ask the Lord, like, am I saved? Because I grew up in the church and I really don't remember, you know, this huge special um, encounter. And I really want to have it as part of my story, but just, you know, the way that God speaks to me and just, you know, me being very curious and the way I ask questions, um, he knows my love language. And so it was just like, Lord, like really, when was that moment? And so for me personally, um, it was, I was probably 13 years old at a, at that particular time, you know, our church had a, had a choir. I was involved with the youth group and, and all of that fun stuff. And it was actually at a choir camp in East Texas one night that, uh, God really showed me and revealed like Melinda, that was the pivotal moment when you really made the decision. Yes. I acknowledge Jesus. I follow him, his true surreal. And it, it just gave a visual picture for me. And so, yeah, that's my story. So your, your teen year, I mean, you, you grew up of course, knowing the Lord and made that decision, but your teen years were a little bit shaky because Unfortunately, your parents ended up going through a divorce when you were in high school. How did that affect you and your faith? Wow. Well, anytime that, um, you know, of course, when you're a teenager, you're, well, I'll just speak for myself, was focused on myself. Um, you know, you're really not looking at, you know, what's going on around you as far as your family and your parents. And so for me personally, I think it was a shock to hear, you know, that my parents were actually going to separate and you know, go their separate ways and actually divorce. So I think, you know, of course, now looking back, I can see all the good things that have come from that, believe it or not. My parents remarried and had been married to their uh, second person, you know, my stepmom and stepdad for like 40 years. And I just have a half sister and a half brother from that, from my stepdad and or my stepmom and my dad. But, you know, looking back, I think that's what created in me and I probably had it even before then, just an identity crisis of who am I? Where am I going? What does this mean? Um, and I think it set me on a just a journey to really find who I was. Unfortunately, I, you know, I take full responsibility, just made crazy, you know, crazy decisions. But really, when I look back, it was truly, I look now at the importance of just our identity in Christ and really knowing that we know who we are in spite of anything that might go on in our lives and around us that we cannot be shaken because we know that we know who we are at the end of the day. And you kind of had a, a second come to Jesus moment, really, yeah. didn't you? Yes. Uh, when you know you had made some decisions. I mean, many of us who are in our young you know, teenage and young adult years, make rash decisions and foolish, do foolish things. But God is so gracious and merciful. He knows our hearts really want to follow after him. And so he intervenes. And how did he do that for you? Oh my goodness. So yeah, he did. And that's really what he does <laughs> and did all throughout my life. But um, I remember, you know, at that particular point in time, I had, I had gone off to college. I actually went to Stephen F. Austin University. I was there for a whole hot minute, like a semester, because um, I didn't do well. And of course, you know, my parents are like, uh, you got to figure this thing out, Melinda, before we spend a lot of money on a college education. So I actually came back to Pasadena 
at that particular time, I started working for Metter Staffing and was going to, um, gosh, I was going to San Jacinto College at night. And it was like yesterday. I can remember being in the driveway. I was still, of course, at my parents' house um, at the that particular time. My dad was actually living in the house. My mom had, had moved out. Um, and I was in the driveway and just had a moment of just this encounter, you know, that sometimes you hear from people just like you felt like God was in like the front seat with you, you know, he and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and just talking to me saying, Melinda, which path are you going? There's two paths mm-hmm. that you can take. One of them will lead to life. The other one will not be so great, which I knew that I knew like that path was either going to lead to death or to jail, like it would be something really bad. And so that was an encounter that literally changed the direction and the path that I was going where, you know, my dad has always taught me, you know, your life is determined by the people that you surround yourself with, the voices that you listen to. So at that moment in time, I knew like, I probably need to change direction with, you know, the people that I'm hanging out with. So I literally just gave up everything, that whole, you know, group of friends, just the lifestyle that I was leading completely changed. And then of course, set me on the course to eventually go to Southwest Texas State University, which is now of course named um, Texas State University. So that completely changed the direction and the path that I was going to go down. Yeah. And our young adult years really are about finding out who God created us to be And he started revealing that to you when you got to that college, you went away to college. Uh, Share about that a little bit. So I'm this new person, you know, Melinda Metter and Melinda Metter was known for this in high school. So really one of the reasons why I chose uh, the college that I went to was I have to go somewhere where nobody knows me Um, because I didn't want a reputation to follow me. I wanted like a clean slate, new beginning. So that was a really... A big deal as well. So went to college. You know, I laughed now because my high school friends are like, you joined a sorority. That would be the last thing that I would have done. But really, I mean, I look at, I think the hand of God was really on me saying, you need to join a sorority. And ultimately knowing that these were the people I was going to connect with um, and still good friends with, you know, until now. And so joined a sorority, you know, was a business major and truly, Uh, just became immensely involved with um, not just the sorority that I was in, but also just within the Greek system, you know, in Southwest Texas University, I was able to participate in Rush, you know, which is a huge, huge event, you know, that goes on in the fall and the spring semesters. But I look back now and realize that's really when I was called into leadership, Um, just people coming to me, hey, Melinda, we want you to be, we think you should be president of the sorority, or we think you should, you know, oversee the Rush program um, this next year, and never had any inkling or any really longing or desire to be in leadership. I'm a really good follower. I'm super obedient and uber responsible, like just give me a task, and I'm going to do it with excellence and to the fullest and complete it. But I, you know, I look back and college was really the beginning of being called into leadership. It's really interesting that you say that because I look back on my college. I also joined a sorority, which was not really what people would have thought I would have done either. And I also ended up in leadership in that sorority. And I, I, until you mentioned how that was kind of God's calling you into leadership, I, I realized that's kind of the path I was on too. I mean, I hadn't really thought about being a leader until that point either. Yeah. So uh, God uses all sorts of things to help form the identity he has for us. Your leadership role um, was really the first step in preparing you for something bigger in more ways than one. And, And after college, you even became a sorority consultant. Explain a little bit about that and what your role was and and, and what you learned. Oh gosh, that is, that is a crazy job. Um, But it was, it was one of the best jobs that prepared me just for life in general. So um, yeah, for those of you you, you who are in Greek life and the sorority world, um, you are probably familiar with many of the sororities referred to them as either chapter consultants or leadership consultants. And so for our sorority, um, they had selected five young women 
to travel. Basically, you travel across the nation. So um, you're on your own for uh, like weeks at a time, living out of a suitcase. Uh, We fortunately were able to fly everywhere and you have to get yourself from place to place. So I was so blessed. I was able to travel a lot in the Midwest, the Northeast, I went to some amazing universities, but you're really, you're meeting with alumni, you're meeting with um, leaders of the university, um, you're meeting with those who oversee Greek life on the campus, um, as well as, of course, most of the time you were living with the sorority. So you're in the sorority house, you're wherever they put you is where you have to go. So that's where I learned a lot about adaptability and just being able to present and speak like kind of, you know, on the fly um, and just able to really have conversations with all different types of people. So that was that was a fun job, a hard job, and you really don't make a lot of money doing that. So but such good training for oh, for, the, for the future. Yes. So after your year uh, as a consultant, what did you do? I came, actually came back to Texas, um, never had any intention of really wanting to come back to Texas, never wanted to come back to Pasadena, Texas, never really wanted to go to work for better staffing. Um, it was always, I'm going to go out and do something, you know, really amazing and and uh, live somewhere really cool. So, but we were in a recession, a really bad recession at that point in time. And so I came back uh, to Pasadena. I actually, uh, my roommate was one of the girls that I had traveled with, with the sorority. So we, you know, got an apartment. I actually came back to work for Metter Staffing. You know, my dad approached me and said, hey, I think you'd be really good at this job. And you don't have to do it forever, but why don't you come on board and maybe see if this is something for you? And so the job was actually one that entailed traveling and it's the, the company um, that was part of Metter Staffing Services where we would actually help other permanent placement agencies or staffing companies get into the temporary help business. So that's that's how I started my 35 years now career here at Metter Staffing, just I'll go try it out and see if this is fun. And aren't we glad that we don't know all the future, particularly when we're young, right? Because we think we know what we want to do and we think, okay, I'll, I'll, that's how I moved to Virginia. I was like, I'm just going to Virginia for a little bit of time, just for a year or two. And then I'm, you know, and then I've been here over 30 years, but it was perfect. It's exactly where I needed to be. And I'm, I flourished where God has planted me as, as God has planted you there. He's, you've really flourished. So you're working for your family business, but you had kept in touch with a lot of your friends from the sorority. And one of them introduced you to a handsome young man named Rick. So what happened and where did that lead? Before I had met Rick, I had actually in college had a five-year relationship with a guy that I ended up becoming engaged to. And, you know, that's a whole other story, but had broken that engagement and When Betsy had introduced me to Rick, they were living in Indianapolis at the time. Um, Rick had actually traveled for his fraternity, um, same job, you know, that I had. Then he had gone to work permanently with the fraternity and they were located in Indianapolis. So when Betsy had introduced me to Rick, it was like, okay, I'm not looking for any relationship. I don't even know if I'll ever be married. You know, like you're saying, Jody, you just, those things that you kind of, you think, is going to happen in your life, but it, you know, thank God, God comes in and has a different story for us. You know, of course I was traveling all over the country, had gone to visit Betsy and she said, Hey, I got this guy, you know, just, he travels for Lambda Chi. Um, He's going to go out with us tonight. And so Rick and I just, interestingly enough, really became friends just via long distance. Um, He had a girlfriend from college, you know, at the time. And so long story short, we just became really good friends, having really um, deep conversations, you know, which of course, you know, one of our conversations was always centered around faith um, because he wasn't raised in the church, really had never gone to a church, which I was like, okay, who does that? Like, how does that happen? And so it just really led to um, being really vulnerable and transparent and me even questioning my faith when he would ask, why do you believe what you believe? Like, 
is that because of your parents or, you know, so it was just a, just a really sweet time, just a long distance relationship. And then of course, you know, he'd come to visit me here in Texas. I'd go visit him. It just, he ended up moving here literally during a hurricane. He was driving into Texas. I know like transformers, you know, going down. He's like, I don't know if this is a place for me. Eventually, you know, we got engaged and then five months later um, got married. So we've been married now like 32 years. So but along the way, as you're questioning your faith, it really caused you to get your roots deeper in the Lord. And Rick also came to faith. Yeah, he is. He is one of those. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, just a really neat story. And so, yeah, me questioning, okay, why, why do I believe what I believe? You know, is it because my parents believe this, my grandparents, um, you know, my uncle was a pastor and a district superintendent at that point in time and just all kinds of questions and, you know, things that we would talk about. And of course, when he moved here to Texas, is when everything changed for Rick. And so, of course, you know, he went to the church that I grew up in because it's like, okay, well, this is where we go and um, became really good friends with our associate pastor who was young and just an amazing, amazing guy um, and really gave Rick the opportunity to ask the crazy questions. He said, ask me any question that you want. Rick's first question was, how does a guy live inside the belly of a whale? How does that work? And so, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and, you know, Bud was just really, I learned a lot from Bud Miller as well about how to engage people who don't know Jesus. Um, And I really attribute, I mean, Bud Miller was a huge person that led Rick to the Lord. And then, of course, my dad having conversation, you know, if if you have any intention of marrying my daughter, you need to get right. You need to know who Jesus is. So Rick got, you know, got saved, got baptized in my dad's swimming pool. And um, then his faith journey just went to a whole new level. Like, yeah which is a big part of our story too. So, yeah. So you, you got married, you wanted to start a family and God who really knows us intimately better than he knows ourselves. That's what I like to say. God knows me better (laughs) than I know myself because I think I want to do one thing, but God knows what creates joy in me because he put it in me. So in the family process, trying to, trying to start a family, God had something really unique in store for you share about that. Well, I am definitely a control freak and I think I know everything, you know, and how it needs to be planned out. And so of course we got married and it was like, okay, I think I probably want to have a baby in the summer, you know, be pregnant in the winter. So it was like my whole timing was like all planned out. And of course it didn't work out that way, you know, started going to, you know, various doctors and, uh, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's, what's going on here. I always tell everybody, Jody. everybody has their own unique and individual story and their path um, to parenthood. And so for Rick and I, it was just really unique. We were in, I remember being in the lobby of a doctor's office and we had gotten another test back. And I think we knew at that point in time, okay, we've got to make a decision. Like, do you start really going down the path of, trying to conceive a child or adoption. And it was just, it was just really weird. I remember we looked at each other and it really wasn't even this long, in-depth, emotional conversation. It was very matter of fact. We looked at each other and both of us said, we're supposed to start the pathway to adoption. And just, like I said, it was just, I look back down, I'm like, thank you, God. You know, just how he... No, it was, and both of us just knew that we knew we wanted to be parents. And for me personally, like I said, everybody has their own unique story and how God has uniquely designed them and crafted them. For me, I just wanted to be a mom. And for me personally, it wasn't about being pregnant or or conceiving a child. And so, and he, I don't know when he did it, but he did, he just healed me emotionally So I never went through just agonizing emotions or trauma. He just started the path towards adoption, which 
was emotional mm-hmm. and an interesting journey that we probably didn't know as much as we probably should have. But again, there's a reason for that. But just that just led us down the pathway to adoption. And you ended up eventually with two children. Yeah. And you were able to be in the delivery room with both of them. So God really had those precious moments available to, you know, for you to share with your children, even though you didn't carry them. And even a relationship with the young women who gave birth. Yes. Our two kids, we have a son and a daughter, and um, both were a little different. Um, Our son was through an adoption agency and our daughter was actually um, a private adoption through one of my sorority sisters. Her parents were fostering what eventually would be our daughter's birth mother. And so that's how we connected with our daughter's birth mother. But yeah, and it's interesting enough to Jody, like our kids, as they were growing up, all they wanted to know was, what was it like the day that I was born? And so God knowing like to put us there in that moment to be able to tell the story of, you know, the very moment and the whole experience around um, them coming in into the world is that was really special. Just another way God equipped you as parents to be able to minister to your children with their questions. You know, friends, there are so many orphans as well as widows all over the world who need to know that God knows them and cares for them too. Many have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Go to the HerGodStory.org website and click on Widow and Orphan tab at the top of the page. Melinda, so you're now a mom and you're continuing to work at meter staffing where you were gradually earning more and more responsibility. When Rick felt called to seminary so he could go into ministry and that required an out-of-state move, which at the time you were in a job that you couldn't you know, that, that, that was in the office. So it probably meant having to resign from your job at a time when you were going to be the sole breadwinner. So what, what did you do? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that was like forever ago, it seems like, but in 1998, um, is when my husband really felt called into full-time ministry was like, I've, I've got to get a master's And so it was like, okay, well, where are we going? And we, you know, had picked a, um, a seminary actually in Wilmore, Kentucky. So that led to a conversation with my dad, you know, um, we're moving to Wilmore, Kentucky. Um, at that point in time, our son was two years old. We had yet to adopt our daughter. And, you know, the first thing my dad said was, well, what kind of job are you going to get when you go there? And I was like, new job? Like, what? I, I can't stay working um, and doing my job here. And he said, I don't know how that's going to work, Melinda, because you manage a lot of people. You're responsible for so much. And so um, I went back to the table. I prepared a proposal and I said, OK, I said, here's my proposal of how I can make this work. Let's give it 90 days. If it doesn't work out, then you can let me go. I'll resign and I'll go find another job in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, so I was a very determined and very strong-willed to figure out how to do this. And my claim to fame here at the company is I was the first remote commute, you know, type of virtual employee. Uh, so we moved to Kentucky and I was on dial-up internet. I mean, oh my gosh. If I look back and I'm like, I thought that was the best technology ever, you know, but, you know, looking back now, it's like, wow, that was so ancient. But um, that's when the dial up internet had just, you know, come into play. So it did allow you to work, you know, virtually or remotely. And I did commit to for two and a half years, I came back to, you know, Houston every month and would spend a full week in the office. So, and then after two and a half years, uh, Rick graduated from seminary and we ended up coming back here. So, so that two and a half years, that season really prepared you personally and, and your company for the days ahead and boy, a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, share, share a few of them I mean, for your, from your personal side, as well as from the business side. Oh my goodness. Um, 
I think, you know, it's so interesting. I look back, okay, that was like 98 to 2000. And I think how it prepared our company, um, I think it really set the path for opportunities for other employees that might have the same type of experience. You know, after I went to Kentucky um, and came back to Texas, there were multiple people who, for some you know reason, be it their spouse was relocated, um, had to had to move to different areas of the country. And their roles that they had here at the at the time allowed them to work virtually. So it really did open the door for others to do what I did. It definitely prepared us for COVID way in advance where, you know, you can have people go remote, work virtual, and still be able to get the work done that needs to be done. I think it opened the door for our company to be... And I would, I would definitely say this. I think my dad is definitely a visionary. He, God has equipped him to build things, to create things, and to become really supernaturally just innovative with how to do things. And so I think that's what our company has become known for is just innovation and to be pioneers and forward thinkers. It's just one of those markers of how we could continue to be um just next level and pioneers at, at what we do and doing things before anybody else does them. And you also really grew in the Lord during that time. I mean, of course, Rick is in seminary. So, you know, you kind of expect that his faith is going to grow, but God was also working in you. How was he working in you during that time? In a major way. Yeah. He knew he had to do a major work in me. Like he was like, oh, Melinda, we still got to work on Melinda. And so he uh, just really partnered me with an amazing group of women um, who were also in Wilmer, Kentucky because of their spouses who, believe it or not, they were all in the marketplace. So they were all working for these Fortune 500 companies, felt called into ministry. And at that point in time, um, marketplace ministry wasn't a thing. And it was, well, if you're going to be in ministry, you have to be a pastor and be behind a pulpit. And so they literally uprooted their families in a major way and came to seminary. And Rick and I hosted a small group. And so um, I was just able to connect with so many amazing women and a couple of women in particular that really took me under their wing and taught me things that I'd never heard about, sadly enough, in the church about who the Holy Spirit really is, um, prophetic ministry, healing ministry, you know, miracles. It was a really sweet time for me personally that, and I look back, Jody, at those years while I thought my husband was going to seminary, it was just about him. I really look back now and it was about me too, to equip me for the things that I had to go through in the last, I mean, 20, you know, 25 Mm -hmm. years that if I would have not been at seminary and been connected with the people I was connected with, my story would be completely different. Yeah. So you really learned so much there. You had always had conversations with the Lord, but now it was really a whole lot deeper and you saw God moving in new ways and knew the power of God uh, in a much more um, experiential way. Not just what you hear or read, but you had experienced some of that, which is is transformative. So finally, Rick graduates from seminary. And um, it was, you know, getting ordained. And what happened? Yeah, a lot happened those last few months while we were in seminary. And at the end of our journey in seminary, the Lord was like, Rick, I think you're supposed to start a church. I was like, okay, here we go. Something else very unique and different. What does that look like? And so we did feel called to come back to Texas. Um, When we moved back here, we ended up uh, putting our roots down in Pearland. Um, of course, I, you know, came back into the office, um, uh, you know, working full time um, still with Metter Staffing. And Rick started preparing, you know, his roadmap for starting the church, which was called the River. Um, it was basically a house church. 
one of the ladies that I had met at seminary when I'd first come back to Texas um, had called me up and said, Hey, Melinda, why don't you come to Kansas city and we can, you know, get together, but I want you to go to this conference with this group called uh, IHOP. I'm like, IHOP, like, you know, you think the pancake place, she said, no, it's like, um, this man by the name of Mike Bickle, who started this international house of prayer, they're doing like this 24 seven, you know, intercessory worship stuff. So I went and met her in Kansas city first conference, you know, that we, that we attended, um, that IHOP, I think had just been in existence for like a year. So that's how I connected Rick with the house of prayer, which of course, eventually he connected with, you know, people here in the Houston area and really across the globe, um, that was part of this huge prayer movement. So it was like, we came back to Texas, started a church, you know, eventually we're part of this huge prayer movement, opened a prayer room in Paraland, and then our life just continued on just after that, just amazing connections with um, people in ministry, just doing things that we'd never, never seen before. That was just so, um, just so amazing. So God had Rick really full-time in vocational ministry while he had you in marketplace ministry, which was a new concept, really, even. Um, I mean, it's it's understood much better now that we are all ministers of the gospel, no matter where we are. You don't have to be in a pulpit or be employed by a church to be in full-time ministry. You know, if you're a believer, you are in ministry. <laughs> yeah, Your career really started taking off at this point while the prayer room and everything else was going on. But when your children were in their teenage years, they both hit some rough patches. So how did you handle the pressures of yes. work, your growing responsibility there, your your family responsibilities mm-hmm. and your church responsibilities and the ministry side? Because, you know, you're married, so you're both involved in each other's yeah. lives too. That's that's a lot to handle. And what, what was the Lord doing and teaching you through that? That's where I learned that, you know, God can give you great capacity for the seasons of life when you really need it. But then I also learned there are seasons where you do need rest because those seasons of great capacity and outpouring and giving and it does take a toll and requires a lot. So I'm super thankful for seasons of rest as well. Um, But yeah, our kids both at different times in their lives went through um, some pretty trying times and challenges. Um, I look back and I really think that's definitely where our marriage grew exponentially Um, because I think you can, you can do one of two things, either kind of, I don't know, get into the world of a pity party or just focus on yourself and lose sight of the other person. But we really were very intentional about our marriage and keeping that intact and growing and whole and together and on the same page and communicating so that we could go out and do the things that we did. Yeah. And my role here at the company was pretty significant. Um, you know, a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, I was doing marketplace ministry per se, you know, we had started a a prayer group here at the company. Um, but I really, you know, I look back Jody and I'm so thankful for Rick who had incredible flexibility, we were both in it together. Um, and he really took the lion's share of the responsibility, especially with our with our son um, and when he was going through his challenges. But I do look back, and I think it goes back to even me being able to go to Kentucky, is that our company had just a revelation of the importance of family and especially moms and dads as well, but a heart for the family. And I did have a lot of flexibility to, you know, at one point in time, I was responsible for picking our son up at school and he was going to a school way across town. And, and I was, had the flexibility to do that because then I could go, you know, home and work remote. Um, So that, 
period of time, I would never want to go through that again. Um, but God's grace was so on us and he really equipped Rick and I both with just capacity to handle a lot of things um, at one one point in time when when our kids needed us the most, especially. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned how you really intentionally protected and built up your marriage during that time, and that it is you know marriages in, in seasons of family strife really can tear apart. Yeah. Just talk a little bit more about what practically you guys did to ensure that your marriage was strong. Yeah, well, a lot of prayer, you know, and I think that's, you know, looking back, I'm like, Lord, is that why you brought us to the house of prayer? Because in that season, we really did learn how to, to just really pray um, and pray together. So a lot of prayer. And that's so key that you say you were praying together. Oh yeah. You weren't just each going off in your own way, place and praying, but you, you were praying together. So you were in praying in unity, yes. which is a three yeah. uh, strand cord is not easily <laughs> broken. So that's right. Yeah. So a lot of prayer, uh, a lot of counseling, um, you know, totally believe in, in that, you know, of course, you know, our kids were going through counseling, um, our family was going through counseling together, um, you know, and Rick and I as well. So really, I mean, prayer, Christian counseling, um, and really having mentors, having an inner circle, a small inner circle, circle of people to really share every detail of what was going on because we needed them to surround us in prayer too and uh, mm. to come alongside and so really prayer, counseling, and an, an amazing inner circle of, of people. Yeah, that's so wise to have trusted friends too that, that you know are going to be there and yes. encourage you and, you know, sounding boards mm -hmm. that aren't going to blow things out of proportion when you just need somebody to talk to, but are going to point you back to Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So in 2014, you actually became the president and COO of Meter Staffing, a, a large company with thousands of people relying on it for full employment. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility. How, how did you come to embrace that? Because, you know, early on, you said you had no desire to be a leader. Yeah. And now you're leading a company with thousands of employees. You know, I probably didn't do it that well. Um, you know, I look back and of course, you know, my dad, um, still very involved in the company, um, especially at that point in time. And, you know, both of us together, I think, you know, we can admit, oh, we, we really could have done a much better job of that, of just a transition. Um, of course, you know, he, he, he's so funny. You know, he promoted himself to CEO and then I was promoted to president. And like I said, he was still very involved Um with the company, we're both very similar in a lot of ways, but very different as well. Of course, you know, the main difference is he's male, I'm female, you know, different generations, you know, different ages. And so, you know, when I first became president, you know, Jody, it's so funny. I think back, um, I don't think I really accepted the role, to be honest with you. I think I still looked at, well, you know, He's kind of still in charge. He's the CEO. And I probably abdicated, you know, responsibility or leadership, um, knowing that I was called to do more, but maybe a little fearful of, okay, if I'm really in charge, it, everything kind of rises and falls with me. But it's interesting in 2016 is when everything pivoted and changed. We had a it was the first one of the uh, the first you know major crisis in the past five six years with our company, and we had a massive uh, computer crash. And it's when I looked at my dad for the first time, and he said, "Melinda, you've got to take the company through this." He said, "You've got to be in charge." And I said, "Is it because you really don't know what to do?" And he said. Kinda. And he said, I think you know better than me. And so that's really the moment when everything changed. 
And he said, oh, and it was like, he kind of, it's weird kind of talking this out because um, I'm having revelation as we're sitting here even talking. It's when he kind of turned and submitted to my leadership, which is so weird because again, it's, it's my dad, you know, it's my boss. Um, but that's when really everything turned. And then, you know, then our company went through just various crisis situations leading up to the global pandemic and kind of um, a mantle, really you accepted. Yeah. That. So I just embraced it with, you know, my motto, um, I definitely learned during the pandemic is just, just do it afraid. You know, we all have, um, even though, you know, I know who I am in Christ. I know who he's called me to be. There's still, you know, those little voices in your head, those weird insecurities that are like, can you really do it? And I would just shut the voices and just do it afraid. Just do it. Somebody has to do it. And Melinda, you're called to do it. So in doing it, doing it, I, I knew um, that God was with me. Like my faith was just unmovable and unshakable because of all the miracles and things he's already done. And so I just continue to look back at those stories and those just memories and just, just went out and did it. Just share one of those miracle things that you look back on and draw strength from. Wow. There's like, there's so many, I mean, even like the tornado this week, it's just, um, there's so many miracles. The one I think about, it was probably the computer crash, the miracle of literally, like when I say computer crash, it was like all of our, all of our file servers, um, you know, back at that time, we had a whole lot of servers, you know, that stored all of our data, all of our information. We had backup tapes, all of those things were literally destroyed. And so there was a moment in time like a few days where it was like, we have no data. Okay. We run payroll on a weekly basis for thousands of employees. Okay. We have like at that moment in time, you thought everything is gone. The software company that we worked with and we were, oh my gosh, we were actually about to do a huge computer conversion. So we were leaving our existing software company, you know, our applicant tracking system and going to a new company. We called one of the gentlemen at that particular company that we were about to leave. Oh my God. He had so much grace and mercy on him. He actually, we're like, we're just, we're praying that you're going to be able to restore this. And he was able to restore our data up to, it was, okay, so that was 2016. He restored data through 2014, where we only had to rebuild 18 months of data. So that was a miracle. The next miracle was in four days, we were able to manually enter enough data where we were able to run a payroll and nobody in the outside world ever knew what was going on internally at Metter Staffing. It, I look back, I, that almost makes me want to start crying because it was just, it's those types of things that you're just like, that's just the goodness of God and definitely his hand and just miracle upon miracle that have really um, saved us time and time again. It's pretty miraculous. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I could go on and on for days about this. I truly believe, and I think even Billy Graham might have said um, in years past that the marketplace is where the greatest transformation is going to happen and where the greatest numbers of people being saved is actually going to happen. And so, you know, in 35 years, I've been able to see just lives changed, you know, not just people coming, you know, to the knowledge of who Jesus is, but I think in the marketplace is one of the, actually one of the safest places, believe it or not, where people are very vulnerable and transparent. And when they are going through really hard times, it's the place where they're going to be open and share. And I cannot begin to count the number of people who have, and these are non-believers 
who know what I believe, and we are very forthright here at our company. It's all over our website. It's in our core values. People know what we believe. Um, but the number of people that have come to me personally, Melinda, can you pray for me? I just think that opens so many doors of opportunities for business. I also, you know, I'm thinking about somebody cares right now, just in a, in a disaster crisis situation, God wants to bless his people and God uses resources such as financial prosperity. And so I look at Metter Staffing having been a great steward of money. And so even this afternoon, it's on my to-do list after I get off with you. It's I have a list of all of the organizations that Metter Staffing is going to be donating to because of the tornado. So I look at the marketplace. Oh my, I, I can't imagine being any other um, in any other arena or sphere of influence, but the marketplace is where Jesus can so shine brightly. I was actually chairman of the board for the Pasadena Chamber of the Year 2020 of all years. And that's where I, I really saw the marketplace minister to people and to be you know, virtually on so many uh, meetings with, with government officials, with, you know, educators, with, um, you know, local businesses, and just to share the gospel of Jesus in a non-threatening way, but just, just really a special, special thing. So I, like I said, I can't imagine being anywhere else except in the marketplace. Um, and, just the stories of being able to share the gospel and just bless people. So Melinda, you know, most of us can believe that God looks after us personally and equips us personally to do his will. And of course we can see God's working hand working in our church, but many probably don't think, you know, don't think yeah. about how God might also look after and equip companies and organizations. So, so what are your thoughts on that? I definitely learned um, just um, for every time you say yes, you have to say no to something else or else you'll just be worn out. You won't like what you do anymore. And that's where I think God is so instrumental in what I've done throughout my career, especially the last 10 years, is God, you really have to show me where do you need me? Um, what do I say yes to? And what do I say no to? And so he's been so faithful in doing that. Um, just everything that I do, even, you know, especially the chairman role of the chamber, um, because I really didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't want to do this. Like my dad did all that stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to keep doing all the things that he did and what are the intentions? And so really praying about, Lord, do I accept this role? And he's just, the way he speaks to me is so um, just very kind of matter of fact, yes, but I really don't want to do it. I understand. I don't think I can do it but I'm God, Melinda, and you're not. And so that's just how he talks to me. And so a lot of prayer about things I'm personally involved with, you know, outside of the company, um, huge decisions, even small decisions, you know, that we make in the company. For example, yesterday I was in my car and I was like, Lord, it's a really busy day, but do I need to go to the Deer Park office and see the team? I mean, it was like an immediate, I just knew Yes, drive over there. They need to see you. You need to see them. So it's even those what we deem as like small and significant decisions. Um, it really is just leaning on him and asking him in prayer, what do I do? Because there's many times running a company, everybody thinks you know what to do, but you don't. And it's like, just give me enough wisdom for the next 24 hours. And that's really what he did, especially during the, the year of COVID, because it was it was hard in the beginning and it was you didn't know what to do hour by hour. And I just Lord, just give me enough wisdom and insight for the next 24 hours. That's interesting. You say how people are more readily likely to open up with, you know, with their colleagues at work. But you think, you know, you spend 40 plus hours a week with those colleagues, probably more time than you spend with almost anybody else. So you, they really do become your close allies, hopefully, 
when a business can um, create a culture of caring and openness as believers would, uh, it really does lay the groundwork for some honest conversations that yes. that can speak truth into people's lives. That's right. Where are we going today? So how does your faith, and you've talked about this a little bit, but I'm just going to get at it from one a little different direction. How does your faith in God impact and inform your personal and your professional decisions and your involvements? I mean, because you're involved, you were involved in the chamber, but I know you've, you, you have to be selective with how busy you are. Gosh, um, you know, my, another key truth, I actually, I look at, I have this little thing that sits over here. It's our company's core values and it's uh, Belinda's core values. And, you know, I have a life statement and then I have three core values. And, you know, one of my truths I'm looking at, it's number three, it's what God says is true for me. And it's just, it's God's words. It's his promises. It's what he says has to be true for me because he's not a liar. Everything that he says is, it's true. And so that's really what I, just what I live by. Boy, that's a faith walk. And that's what God wants us to be like. But you know, it's also, I, um, I've begun to think of obedience to God as just walking with God. Yeah. You know, when we think of obedience, it's like, oh, right. you know, obedience, I got to obey. But really, if, it's just walking with God. It's it's seeing him move this way or seeing him move that way and keeping in step with him. And he doesn't show us too far in advance. So it is that daily walk. God, where are we going today? <laughs> today, one of the catchphrases is live your truth. But we can't live our truth because we don't know truth outside of God's truth. That is so powerful. So read it again. Read that Read that key statement again. What God says is true for me. Yeah. So powerful. What God mm. says is true for me. It has to be true yeah. for us. And, you know, I, I see truth. When, when I was in graduate school, one of the first professors I had, Terry Linval, he said, all truth is God's truth, uh-huh. no matter where it's found. Yes. And Satan will try to claim truth in some places, but if it's truth, it is from God yeah. because he is the author of truth and he is true. Yeah, he is. Well, I love to ask my guests what women or women of the Bible have inspired or encouraged or taught you something in your life. Uh, what about you, Melinda? Is there someone who comes to mind? That's such, that's a really good question. Um, and there's so many amazing women, but you know, the first one that I think about, of course, is Deborah which, you know, was a judge for Israel. And I just, you know, I think about her and what I love about her the most is her success was all based on her faith in God, um, her wisdom, her ability to, um, to honor, to come alongside, you know, to bring alongside a man to go into battle, um, her courage, her do it afraid, you know, type of mentality, uh, just her courage to go into battle um, and just a leader of leaders. And so she always just stands out for me as somebody just so um, amazing and inspiring. In Ephesians 2.10, in the NIV version, the Apostle Paul writes, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And Philippians 2.13 says, God works in you to will and to act on, uh, to act in accordance with uh, fulfilling his good purposes. God created Melinda to lead a company that employs thousands of people through tumultuous times. Her life of prayer, her integrity, her openness to innovation have helped many people weather the various storms that we've really all lived through in the past few years. God equipped her for this time long before she even knew she needed her unique leadership qualities. And dear friends, God wants to do the same for you. Submit your plans and your future to the Lord and let him work in you to both will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You'll be amazed where he takes you. Melinda, would you take a moment and just pray for everyone who listens to your story today? Oh, I'd love to. So, Lord, we just we just thank you so much, Father. Thank you so much for um, for Jody, Lord, and the conversations, the podcast that she's put together, Father. We pray her message go into the ends of the earth, Father God. We pray for each woman who is listening and uh, those who will listen in the future, Father. We pray 
uh, just courage and wisdom and discernment over them, Father, where they are fearful, Lord, just provide unbelievable courage and to do it afraid, Father God. We pray um, the blood of Jesus over each of them, Father, over their decisions, over the things that they say yes to, Father God, that you would equip, empower, that you would guide them every step, Father. We pray over their prayer life, Lord, that um, they would come to you with unbelievable faith, Father God. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for what we are able to do in the marketplace. Father, would you bless their marriages, Father, bless those who are mothers, Father, and we thank you for what you're doing across the earth, Lord. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find scriptures and other information that we talked about. And don't forget to sign up for our emails. You'll get a free six-week devotional that you can download. Or you may want to purchase a 12-week devotional on Women of the Bible for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds go to our widow and orphan fund. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line. So give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Hebrews 13, 21. May God equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that's pleasing to him so that all glory is his forever and ever. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.